As we begin a new year, many of us find ourselves in this space where we start making these things called resolutions. And if you take a step back for a second and look at those things that are your resolutions, most of our resolutions for a new year keep coming back to the same idea of cutting back, don't they? Like some of us, maybe this isn't you, but some of us have been eating a little too much, you know, and we've been eating too much of the wrong thing. And so we decide when we get to a new year, maybe this is going to be the year of the skinny. This is going to be the year I get thin. Yes, it is. And so I'm not going to eat some of the stuff that I used to eat. I'm going to cut back on some of the bad stuff that I eat. And we make these things called resolutions saying that I'm not going to I'm not going to have as much of that anymore. Some of us we have to reevaluate as we get to a new year and we resolve to make some changes when it comes to our expenses, right? We look at how we spent our money in the previous year, uh, what we what we used our resources for and we realize, you know, we said we wanted to do this, but really we just did a whole bunch of this. We said we wanted to be purposeful or we wanted to be generous or we wanted to save more. And really what we found is we just kept buying stuff on impulse because somebody put it on sale. And we said we got to resolve to cut back some of our expenses or maybe you look at your calendar and look at how you spent your time and look at the places you went and the things you gave priority to and the things you kept missing because you said you were too busy and you said, okay, this year I got to resolve to do some things different to get my calendar under control. And so I'm going to cut back on some of this stuff and we resolve these things. Why do we do that? Why is this the evaluation process that maybe you have gone through in the last few days? Why is this the, the, the thing that we do whenever things start to get a little, why do we do this? It's because we see that these things have cost us more than we were willing to spend. They cost too much. They were, to say it in the way that we're going to frame it in this series, they were too expensive. And so we say, I ain't going to eat that because my health is too valuable to be to be. Going away through another run through Popeyes. Nothing against Popeyes. I love Popeyes. But you know what I'm saying. Like, like my resources, they matter too much. And using them for good matters too much for me to spend the way I spend. It costs too much. The reality is we don't need a new year for this to resonate and, and resound as being true. See, we live our lives carrying way too much that costs us way too much. And today, somebody in that chat, type today. Come on, maybe you're not used to the chat because it's been a few weeks since we've been able to interact. I'm so glad that you're here. So glad you're watching on YouTube. You're listening to the podcast. I'm grateful. But today, and over these few weeks as we begin and unpack the truth of God's word in this series called Too Expensive, we are going to wrestle head on with those things that we've been carrying around for a long time that cost us way too much. They are too expensive. And today, right off the rip, I ain't got enough time to play with you. I ain't got enough time to mess around. I got to get into this word for today. And so if you're ready, buckle your safety belts, ladies and gentlemen, because we about to take off. But I must tell you today that shame is costing you way, way too much. Shame. The thing that we all have, that we all think about, that we all wrestle with, but ain't nobody ever talk about, your boy is talking about today. Shame is too expensive. You see, some of us do not realize that much of who you call your identity 
is a manufactured response to shame that you feel. Some of you do not realize or recognize that you are not doing what God has you to do because of the shame that you carry because of what you did or what others did to you. And I just am bold enough today to tell you that whatever the shame is that you're carrying, it is too expensive. Somebody, somebody needs to let this begin even right now to, to resound in their spirit. That the shame that you carry is too expensive. And I want to give you some reasons as to why. So journey with me on today. If you're taking notes, if you got some, some notes you want to write this down on, you downloaded the paper notes, you're using our app today and taking notes, I would love for you to write this down. That shame is too expensive, and here's why. Because your potential is too great. The potential that God has for your life that he has placed on the inside of you is too great for shame to rob you from it. See, here's what I believe is true for every single person in listening right now, every person watching right now. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. I don't care if this is you uh, checking off some New Year's resolution you said to, to tune into church. And maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church in your whole life, first time you've ever listened to a sermon in years, or, or, or you're, you're a part of our community online, and you tune in online, and you listen and lean in. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spiritual spectrum or an age spectrum. Hear me. I believe God has placed potential on the inside of you. But here's what I also know is true. The primary destroyer of potential is shame. The primary thing that squeezes the life out of the potential that God has put on the inside of you is the shame you choose to carry from last season into this season. See, we believe something to be true. Some of you may even hear me say that God has been, and there's something that, that, that clicks on the inside of you. But we allow the narrative that shame presents to us to be validated as true. And we prevent our potential from ever becoming reality. Today and throughout this series, I am not going to spend my time trying to give you all the nuances and understandings of the subject matters at hand. I need to sound an alarm on the inside of you. And today, for every one of us carrying, dealing with, battling shame, I need you to understand today that the shame that you are allowing to control your life, the shame that you are allowing to guide, lead, narrate, and manipulate your life is too expensive because the potential God has put on the inside of you is too great. Now, I can say this holistically for every one of us because every person feels shame. Nobody is immune to shame. I know some of you feel like there are certain people that you know that, well, they feel no shame. And it's just not true. They just probably manifest the shame that they feel. They cover it up. They, they fight back against it in an opposite way from you. See, every person feels shame. And many of us live our life in response to the shame that you feel. For some of you, if I could just be so bold, shame is the reason you are so quiet. You don't ever say much when you get around people. And people may call you shy, they may call you timid, they may call you an introvert, and you've sort of taken on these badges as your identity, but you know that's actually not who you are. Not that there's anything wrong with being timid or shy or introverted. 
You just know that's not you. You just know that because of the shame that you feel, it's a more amicable way to navigate your life. Some of you, it's why you're so quiet. For others of you, it's why you're so loud. (laughs) Some of the people you know with the biggest personalities have concocted those big personalities in order to cover up shame that they feel about an area of their life they do not want touched. It's the reason for some of you, you work so hard. Some of you, you work and you grind and you go and you hustle and it's it's thing after thing and it's incessant and your calendar is full and if you had a candle left, you'd burn it on both ends, but your candle is so gone, you now just have to use the flashlight on your iPhone. You know, like, like you, you go, 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 go and you work so hard, but it's a cover-up for shame that you feel. Some of you, the shame that you feel and you carry is the reason you don't try anymore. It's the reason you've just said, no, this ain't going to be that for me, I guess. This ain't going to change for me. It's not going to be good for me. I'm done with that. For some of you, shame is the reason why you buy what you buy. You buy what you buy, you go where you go, you post what you post in order to look a certain way, to present yourself as a certain thing. And the whole reason you do it, you know rooted deep down inside of you, is the shame that you are trying to navigate, but yet you carry with you from one season to the next, from one week to the next, from one year to the next, from one job to the next. And so you you, you buy in order to cover up, or you don't buy, and you save and you scrimp, and you're a bit of a miser, if we're honest. And it's why you're like that. Because of shame that you feel. See, there are at least three roots of shame that I would like to propose to you before we open God's word and begin to wrestle with the significance of the expense that is shame. Because I must help bring you to the table. Because I can't just say that everyone deals with shame and not show you where your shame comes from. Would you write these down if you're taking notes today? You see, shame comes from, for some of us, write this down, from what we did. Some of you, the shame that you carry, the the shame that, that sits with you every waking moment of every hour of every day comes directly from something that you did. It comes from decisions that you made. It wasn't somebody else's choice. It wasn't something that happened. It wasn't us. It was me. The shame that you feel comes from decisions that you made. The shame that you feel comes from things that you said. It was the words that came out of your mouth. It was was what you said to them. It's what you constantly say. It's the way you talk to, and you feel shame right here, right now because of, things you've said. It's because of the habits that you allow to continue. You know you could get them under control. You know you could discipline. You know you could get accountability, but you don't. And those habits live on and they're not for your good and you feel shame because of what you habitually do. Some of us, shame comes from temptation that we continue to give into. Shame comes from hurt but it's hurt that we caused. It wasn't nobody else. (laughs) It wasn't them. It was us. And we carry shame in our present because of it. 
Every person feels shame. And some of us, the shame that we carry comes from what we did. But for some of us, please write this down. Shame comes from what they did. And I ain't even got to say they name. I just say they and there is a face and a name and a phone number and a, and a moment in time that comes to your mind so clearly, and so vividly. Some of the shame we carry is because of what others did to us. They said things to us that should never have been said. They called themselves a Christian. They called themselves someone who was our friend. And they said that to us. And the, the way that they said it and the words that they said ring as loud and as clear in your mind in this moment as they did the moment that they said it. And you carry shame today because of what they said about you. They hurt you. You didn't do anything. They hurt you. You, 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 you didn't deserve it. It wasn't because of something that you had. Like, they hurt you. They took from you. You had done everything you could to, to be generous to them, and it wasn't enough. And they took from you. They made promises, and they didn't keep. And now it heaped shame on you. They abused you physically. They abused you emotionally. They abused you sexually. And you carry shame in this moment because of what they did. I understand that shame has many sources. And some of the source, for some of us, it comes from what we did. And for some of us, the source comes from what they did. And both of those are valid. And both of those are real. And both of those are true. But may I please open up one more before we dive into God's word today? Because it's one that I do not think gets talked about near enough, but it's one that is so prevalent in the implications, the manifestations, and the ramifications of it in our world today. I must do it, even though the only way I know how to say it and make it look real neat and nice for your notes may sound a little funny, but I don't mean it funny at all. Because the shame that you feel and carry comes from what you did, and it comes from what they did. But it also can come from, please write this third one down, from what should have been did. Yeah, from what should have been done. Some of the shame that we carry is because of what is supposed to have happened, What's supposed to have been done, what's supposed to have been given or afforded, that was never done for you. In fact, to you, it feels like it was given and done to and for everyone else. But for some reason, it wasn't given to you. And you carry shame in this moment because of it. See, you were supposed to be supported and loved as a child. But you weren't. You bounced from home to home to home, and it started with families and family members, but then it moved into a foster care system, and you're an adult now, and you're making your way, but there's something on the inside of you that just feels shame because it's like, did nobody really want me enough to care for me? 
What's wrong with me? Some of you, you even had parents and you know your parents, but yet for whatever reason, not because of what you did, but they just don't want anything to do with you. And you carry shame today because you know how to get in touch with your biological mother and you know how to get in touch with your biological father. The problem is they have no concern for you or your life or your world and there is something heavy that rests on your shoulders every single day that you can't articulate to anybody else but it is shame setting itself squarely upon you to push you down. And it's because of what it should have been. Because you should have been loved and you should have been cared for. Some of you, you were supposed to have your God-given identity championed, but it wasn't. You were told you weren't pretty enough. You were told because of some of your interests, you weren't man enough. You were, whether by family members or so-called friends, coaches, teachers, people in a neighborhood, or society as a whole, you, 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 you were communicated to that you didn't fit the mold of what it was that God had created you to be. And shame has set on you since then when you weren't celebrated and you weren't affirmed. And you weren't cared for and loved and championed just because you didn't fit somebody else's mold. And you've spent your life searching for confirmation and validation and affirmation. And now you find yourself taking it from anybody in any place and any source because it did not come from the sources that it should have come through foundationally. Shame. Shame that comes from what we did. Shame that comes from what they did. Shame that comes from what should have been did. Please hear me. It's all too expensive. Why? Why? Why is it too expensive, preacher? Can I tell you? And from God's word, write this down. Because shame isn't something that will happen in your story. Shame is something that will hijack all your story. Some of you under the sound of my voice today are the byproduct of the shame you've been carrying for the last 10 years. You are the physical manifestation of somebody who had shame heaped on them when they were small. And now even though you're grown, and now even though you got a job, and now even though maybe you got what they call a family, like you got this stuff going on, you, you live every day as the byproduct of shame because shame isn't just something that happens in your story. Shame wants to come and hijack your story and carry you down a line that God never intended for you to walk down. How do I know? Let's go to the Bible. Some of you probably began a Bible reading plan this year. I hope you did. That's so wonderful. If you decided to read the whole Bible, maybe a whole Bible in a year, what a wonderful goal, a wonderful journey. I pray God's grace and strength to you as you do that. If you did, you started more than likely in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And it's there in the book of Genesis that we begin with a creation account, but that creation account then zeroes in in Genesis chapter 2 on the creation of those in the image of God. Man and the woman. And it was shame there that hijacked the story of 
the first people in the beginning. You see, Genesis chapter 2 tells us that the man and the woman were created in the image of God. They were naked and they knew no shame. How about that? <laughs> but Genesis chapter 3 invites us into a far different reality as their story progressed. See, it's in Genesis chapter 3 that we hear the account of the temptation and then the fall of mankind. Adam and Eve are convinced that God is keeping something good from them. So they believe the lie of the enemy and they instantly as they act on the temptation presented to them, the scripture says their eyes were opened. And they said they tried to cover their nakedness. When just a few verses earlier, they were naked and knew no shame. But now because they did the thing that God said not do, their eyes were opened, which is what the tempter promised them. But he did not tell them that with the opening of their eyes would come shame because they went away from God's intention and plan for their life. See, it's the interaction, though, after sin comes into the world, after they give in to the temptation, after the fall of man, that I want to look at as we address the massive expense that shame creates. So meet me today in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 8 through 13. And this is the way the scripture reads. Immediately after, the man and the woman do what they should not have done. Sin enters the world, and they realize they're naked. It says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I, so I hid. Then he, the Lord God, asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of that tree and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The first interaction after the first people disobeyed God. And what's present? shame. Before they even understand, as we often think, the full penalty and gravity of sin, what has already presented itself? Shame. Adam and Eve knew they had disobeyed God, and they knew they'd been chosen to do what God said, but then they decided to do what God said don't do, and now here they are living in the middle of it, and because they decided to believe the enemy's lie over the truth that God told them, shame that they had never felt before came into the world and came upon them because of what they did. And so what did they do? They do what every person under the sound of my voice does when shame hits you. They hid. Because isn't that what we do when shame hits us? When we feel shame, whether it's because of what we did, or whether it's because of what they did, or whether it's because of what should have been did, when shame hits us, we hide. 
And shame is too expensive. I told you because your potential is too great. But I must expose the lie that shame tells you. Because shame is too expensive. Please write this down. Because your hiding is too destructive. Your hiding is too destructive. Some of you are watching me. Some of you are, some of you are commenting in the chat. Amen, preacher, you better tell that. You are, you are listening to me right now. But in reality, you're hiding. You're hiding because of what you did and you don't believe you deserve forgiveness because of what you did. Because you know the motivation for which you did what you did. You know how bad what you did was. And you do not believe that you actually deserve forgiveness. You may call yourself a Jesus follower, but the truth is you, you don't believe that forgiveness is yours. And so you walk and carry shame steeped on your shoulders because it's been easier to hide. But I'm here to tell you hiding is too destructive. Some of you, because of what someone else did to you, because of what they said to you, because of what they still say to you, you carry shame with you every day, and it's what forces you right back into hiding. It's what sends you running right back to that, that place that you, you tell yourself it's safe. It's safe if I act this way. It's safe if we do that. It's safe if we don't go there. It's safer there because of what they did. Some of you, because of what should have happened, but never happened. It has left you with this void of inadequacy inside of you, longing to be filled, and you allow to be filled by anyone or anything who will accept and affirm you. Shame is too expensive, because your potential is way too great. But friend, I need you to understand on today that your hiding is too destructive. Because here's what shame tells you. Shame tells you that you hiding is the only place you'll be safe. Hide from community. Because if people ever found out what was true about you, they wouldn't like you. They like this version of you. They like that cleaned up. They like them fake eyelashes version of you. You know what I'm saying? They like you with the weak. They like, they like this put together version. If they knew the real you, they wouldn't like you. So you better hide from any form of real community. If I could get real, real with you listening to the podcast, some of you watching at church online, some of you, that's the reason you go to church online. It's because you're scared of community. And you can comment in the chat for a few moments while we're together, you can watch when you want to watch. But the truth is, is that there's a fear on the inside of you of people really knowing you, because if they really know you, they may find out about you, what you've been trying to cover up, and you think you're safe in hiding. What you don't realize is your hiding is destroying you. That's why we hide from vulnerability. We don't ever want to be open and honest with anybody because, because they may heap more shame Honest, that's what we tell ourselves. That's why some of us, we hide from church or we hide in church. 
We make ourselves feel good because we sat in the seat, because we watched online, because we caught every installment of the series. But the problem is we've just grabbed a sermon. We haven't embraced community. We haven't found a place that we can serve. Come on, we haven't locked in with the purposes that God has for us. And, and we tell ourselves, well, well, it's just better this way if I could hide. So I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to come late. I'm going to leave early. I'm going to watch online. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to sit here anonymously. I ain't going to comment in the chat. I don't want nobody but me and God to know I'm here. And you don't realize how your hiding is destroying you. Some of you, you hide from the truth. The truth of God's word. What he says about you. What he has made clear. And you hide from the truth. Some of you are literally hiding like Adam and Eve did from God. Because of your shame. And I came to tell you today, please catch this. Hiding doesn't heal shame. It harbors shame. Your hiding is not healing your shame. Your hiding is not making shame something that is lessening. It is not making it something that is, that is getting resolved. It is not making it something that you are being free from. It is harboring it to fester and to stew. What it does is it creates the space for shame to speak, for shame to grow, for shame to fester, for shame to decree and declare over your life whatever it sees fit in any combat or questioning to the veracity of its argument gets told to go away because you're safer here. See, shame thrives when you hide because it's there that its argument can be sold as truth. Some of you believe so strongly and so resoundly the truth that shame is telling you because it propagates itself as truth even though it's not. It builds an argument and it's told you about how other people are and that the last person hurt you so the next person will. It's told you all these things and you believe them as the core values of your life. And that's why you hide. What you don't realize is how destructive this hiding is. You know what? A weak argument hates questioning. That's why shame loves to get you alone. Because alone, its argument will not be questioned. I learned very quickly in dealing with people that asking questions is, is a great form of, of, of growth as a leader, but also a great form of trying to figure out what's actually really true. <laughs> because because a, a strong argument or the truth can handle questions. That's why I tell people when they get worried about somebody they love doubting their faith, I say, don't, 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 if you believe this to be true, don't worry about it. Hey, you ain't got nothing to doubt. You ain't got nothing to fear, man. Why? Because if it's true, it's true. You only got something to worry about if it's not true. See, weak arguments don't like questioning. Weak arguments don't like to be put on the spot. Weak arguments don't like to be interrogated. And that's why in the wisdom of God, he, um, he asked them a question in Genesis chapter 3. He goes looking for them when the evening breeze came. He says, Adam, Eve. Where are you? Which is very funny because he's God, right? <laughs> like, like, he know where they are. Where are you? 
Adam's like, we over here in the trees, hiding with our little fig leaf underwear. And God is like, what? What's going on? He said, well, we hid because uh, we were naked. There's this conversation going. God is pulling them out of hiding that their shame led them into. And God asked them a question. That if you're fighting shame in any area of your life, can I tell you, this will be the question that leads to your freedom. This will be the question that leads you to, to quit paying the price that shame is asking you to pay because it's too expensive. God asked them a question because he knew that this question, if it wasn't asked to them, they would have spent their whole life hiding. They would have spent their whole life hiding from others, hiding from their purpose, and hiding from him. And so the question that God asked is just the words of the text right here in Genesis chapter 3. I pray you would see this, but I pray more than you would just see it. You would allow it to reverberate on the inside of you. God asked Adam. God asked Eve when they were hiding in their shame. When they brought to God the reason that they were hiding. The reason that shame had told them was uncurable. Unfixable, unrevocable. God asks them a question. Who told you that? Who told you, Adam and Eve, that you were naked? Who, who told you that? See, the problem with most of the lies that we believe, the consequences we see as permanent, and realities that we were led to believe were true, is that they've never been processed through the primary filter and critical question that has the potential to set you free. Who told you that? Somebody in that chat needs to help me out right now and type that in the chat. Who told you that? You need to write it down because I need you to see this. I need you to not forget the power of it. Who told you Say, why, Michael, is this such an important question? Why is this what God asked him? I'll tell you why. Because the source of the story matters more than the story. The source of the story matters more than the story that's told. There are ideas that you have about yourself that you hold as factual. Identities that you walk in, personalities that you portray, realities that you say, this is just who I am. And baby, it's not who you are. But you won't believe that. You'll think I'm being insensitive and intolerant towards your hurt. Okay. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that you weren't a good father. See, some of you stepped out of your paternal responsibility and obligation. You ran from it. Maybe you never stepped into it because somebody told you you weren't a good father. Who told you? Who told you you weren't a good mother? Some of you beat yourself up daily because you feel like you're not a good mom. You're not a good caretaker. You're not a good provider. Who told you that? Who told you you're not a good spouse? Who told you you're not a good friend? 
Who told you you'd never be able to hold down a job? Who told you you'd never be able to make a difference? Who told you you'd never be able to buy a house in that neighborhood? Who told you that? Who told you that you were always going to have to live in that realm of, who told you that? Who told you that you'd never be free? Who told you that you'd always be addicted? Who told you that you, who told you that? See, some of you don't even like the question because it, it forces you to come face to face with the truth. Not the story you've been handed, but the truth. Who told you that you were damaged goods? Because some of you have lived your whole life believing you have nothing to offer because you think you are somehow damaged goods because of what you did. Or because of what they did to you. Or because what should have been done, it was never done for you. Who told you you were damaged? Who told you you were broken? Who told you God couldn't use you? Who told you you were unredeemed? Who told you that? Because the source of the story matters more than the story. Who told you God couldn't use your life? Who, who told you that what you were interested meant that you weren't who your biology says that you are? Who told you? That. Who told you that because of your hurt, you would always be hurt? Who told you that because of the pain that you feel, you were always going to live in pain and there would be no purpose for it? Who told you that because of your faults and because of your past, you were unready? Who told you that? It's the question that shame hates. Because in hiding, Nobody will ask you that question. Shame will just continue to feed and fester and foster the lie that it has presented to you as absolute truth. Who told you that? See, we carry shame today. Some of you listening, some of you watching, carrying shame today because of what we did, because of what was done to us, because of what we were never validated as because of what should have been done for us. And maybe it was from our childhood. Shoot, maybe it was from this past week. Either way, I need you to know something today. Shame is not too expensive because it makes you feel so bad. I know some of you probably don't even like me right now because you feel like this is like, like, like breaking up hard ground. <laughs> You've been perfectly content over there with your buying coping mechanism. You've been perfectly content hiding in anonymity. And that's how you're going to navigate all these things, not being vulnerable with anybody. Just choose this is the way I'm going to be. And maybe there's some sadness, some pain, some hurt that even comes to life as I... And it doesn't feel so good. Can I tell you the reason that shame is too expensive? It's not because it makes you feel bad. Although that's a pretty good reason. Shame is too expensive. Please write this down. Because your purpose is too important. The purposes God has for you, for your life, Baby, if you're not dead, you're not done. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s. Like, you, you, if there is breath on the inside of you, maybe there's purpose there too. If you're not dead, you're not done. And your purpose is too important 
to let shame control your story. See, shame doesn't want to make you feel inferior. Please understand its tactic. It wants to keep you from doing what you're called to do. I'm talking right now to leaders who will not lead because of shame. If you were watching uh, at church online earlier, maybe you visited the website, you see that literally, if you're, if you're watching this kind of in real time, like, like we are literally beginning a leadership class this week. All month long, I'm going to teach leadership to people on Tuesday nights at 630 and help pull out the leadership potential on the inside of you and deploy you into greater leadership in your life and within the church. And there are some of you that hear that and there's something that feels like, oh, I really would like to lead. But shame tells you, baby, you're not a leader. Your potential is too important. See, there are friendships that won't be had because shame tells you, well, you remember how that one friend stabbed you in the back? You don't, you don't, you don't need to trust nobody because that's what people will do. If you let new people into your life, they'll stab you in the back too. If you let people get close to you, yeah, yeah they're going to take advantage of you too, just like they did. See, there are differences to be made. Change is supposed to come. But the problem is some of you are allowing shame to tell you what you're not, to tell you what you can't. When God is trying to resurrect something on the inside of you because he has purpose put there and the shame that you are carrying is too expensive because it will keep you from the purposes of God for your life. Do you have any places that like, they may seem weird to other people, but it's like you just won't, you just can't go there. I do. I have a few. One of them is actually not too far from our physical location here on Summer Avenue, where I'm preaching to you from now. It's probably three, three miles, maybe four. It's, it's Panera Bread. Not all Panera Breads, although I... I don't really like Panera Bread. I'm sorry if you work for Panera Bread. You own a Panera Bread. I'm sorry. I just, man, I ain't never left Panera Bread full. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't down with trying to spend $28 to get myself full. You know, like, like I, it's not me. But I'm not, I'm not really a Panera Bread guy, if you couldn't tell. But, uh, but it's actually this one Panera Bread over on Poplar, um, kind of near Perkins Extended. And uh, it's... On a little bit, I guess technically it's in what's called the Laurelwood Shopping Center. Right outside of that Panera Bread, there's a, there's a fountain. And many years ago, actually about a year into our church, I had a meeting there with someone. And they, they said things to me that weren't of God. But yet, they are supposed to be, and I think even are, and for other people, like a, like a man of God, a leader for God. You see, this, uh, this particular person um, was supposed to be like, almost like a, like a parent in our church planting process, but, but they were not. They weren't available or supportive or there relationally at all, even though we reached out and asked for them to be. And they said they would be, and then they weren't. They, they made financial commitments to us that they never carried out, which put you know, a infant church on life support, if you will, from literally day one. 
They uh, received a building that we were supposed to operate in for free, and they charged us an unfathomable amount that kept growing every three months that we just couldn't keep up with. It's why our church ended up being about a year old and moving into a movie theater. And I sat at this table with the leader of all that, and leader of a church, but it's deeper than that. The leader of this church was a church I had worked for for about five and a half years. I had been a part of the church in its primary growth time as a church. While I was there, we saw the church grow by almost 10 times the size that it was when I got there five and a half years later. And it was God. But I, I was a part of that, too, a key part of helping to make that happen. But it was deeper than that. This person was one of my youth pastors growing up. If, if, I had a, if I had a hero that I saw when I was a kid, like that I, that I knew, it would have been this person. In fact, I still remember vividly. I could take you into the building and sit you in the seat uh, where I was sitting in on the night that he announced that he was moving away from Memphis and, and going to another state and another city to another, another church. And I was devastated. I was, I was in like eighth or ninth grade. And I was devastated because my, my hero. So fast forward. This is an eighth or ninth grade, Michael. This is about six years ago, Michael. I'm sitting at Panera Bread in this meeting and I am being reamed, not because our church doesn't have people coming to it. There were people coming and lots of people coming. Not because our church isn't trying to do good work, but because our church isn't making enough money. And out of that piece of information, our offerings weren't enough in their eyes. What was brought into question was my calling to be in ministry. I'm not making this up. I have never in my adult life, there's been a lot, if you follow any of this, you could Google this. There's been a lot of talk in the last three years, particularly since, since, since COVID and the ramifications trying to lead the church and all this. There are pastors all over the country, and my heart breaks, who are quitting ministry, who are saying, this is just too crazy. This is just, people are nuts. Like, I ain't doing this. I ain't built for this. And, and the, the resignation rate is, is, is frightening, to be honest, as a pastor, as someone who loves the local church. But that hasn't led me to ever really think about quitting ministry. Something I sincerely believe God called me to do. It was that conversation. And it wasn't because I thought the points he was making were valid. It's because how could someone who was literally my hero when I was a boy be sitting across the table from me? How could someone who was willing to bring me on their staff and literally have me preach and run 
Every, there was a time where I was running like 90% of that church. <laughs> Nobody knows, but I was running like 90%. How could someone let me do that? And I'm called to do that. But now that I'm doing the thing that God burdened my heart to do, and they are watching from afar, but they don't feel like our offerings are big enough. Now they want to bring into question the calling. You don't know the kind of shame that's set on me. And then... <laughs> To literally be followed up a couple of weeks later with the conversation that they are kicking us out of the building that they got for free. And I have to take this infant of a church and find a place to go. And we looked at every spot in the city that we could find and we couldn't find a spot. We ended up in the Malco Paradiso and we were paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every month to have a couple of hours in a movie theater and doing our best to, to serve people and, to, and to, to serve God and to make a difference. And I was so low. And I remember finding myself isolating myself, not wanting to talk to anybody about what I was carrying. But I came to realize and ask myself a question. that I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would ask yourself today. Those of you riddled with shame, those of you thinking about quitting a marriage because you feel like you're not the spouse that, that, you're, that you're partner needs. Those of you who are contemplating walking out on your parental responsibilities because somebody said you're just like your father. Those, those of you who are thinking about quitting faith. Those of you who are thinking about quitting the destiny and the purposes that God has for your life. May I ask you the question that the Spirit of God asked me six years ago after I walked away from a Panera Bread feeling as low as any human being, feeling as low as I'd ever felt in my life because of what was being told to me. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that you weren't called? I called you. I put my mark on you. I set you apart from, who told you that? Eye has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man the plans that God has for him. Who told you that? And some of you are on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of throwing in the towel. You're on the verge of being done because shame has riddled you because of what you did, because of what they did, or because of what should have been done for you. Baby, who told you that? It is time to believe the truth that God says about you and recognize what shame has always wanted to do. Shame isn't trying to shame you. Shame is trying to stop you. And it is too expensive to carry. It's too expensive to walk into the next season of your life carrying shame from the last season because it doesn't want to make you feel bad. Maybe it wants to stop you in your tracks. And I'm here by the power of God to tell you, don't let it do that. Because some of you have stopped believing that God can use your life because of what you did. Some of you have stopped believing that God has purposes for you in the next season of your life because of what they said to you. Some of you have stopped believing that you are who God said you are, who he created you to be. Because what should have been brought to you, what should have been said to you, what should have been done for you was never done for you. You need to recognize that shame isn't trying to shame you. 
We think that feeling shame is the, no, 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 it's not trying to shame you. It wants to stop you. And so how do you stop shame? <laughs> you stop the shame of the enemy with the truth of God. And I want to close today by sharing with you a scripture or two. Tell you who God says you are. And maybe this would be the collateral for you to pay the debt that shame has cost and recognize that the shame that you're carrying, the shame that you believe, the shame that you are holding is true is too expensive because God has purpose for your life. God has destiny on you. There are, there are places for you to lead. There is a difference for you to make. Come on, there are friends that God wants you to be their friend. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who brought you out of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. The Psalms tell us that he knew us and he formed us while we were in our mother's womb, that every day of our life was laid before him, written in his book before one of them even came to be. He knows us. He knows his plans for us. Paul tells us that you and I are his masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Baby, you got work to do. You got purpose on the inside of you. And the shame trying to stop you is too expensive for you to carry any longer. And that's why today, if you would say, I believe God's purpose for me is too important. If my potential is too great, I got to let shame stop me from, from, I got to let shame quit preventing me from walking in the purposes that he has for my life. Today, I want to put shame on notice. I want you to receive this prayer as I pray today. Come on, wherever you are, maybe you even need to lift hands to heaven and receive this wherever you are. Heavenly Father, today, I receive your truth about me, that you have purpose for my life. You have calling for me. And for too long, I've let shame control the narrative. For too long, I've let shame stop me. I've let shame run the coop. Not any longer. I believe what you say about me, that I am loved, that I am forgiven. And so I'm no longer going to allow what I did to stop me. I'm no longer going to allow the shame that sits on me because of what they said to me stop me. I'm no longer going to allow what should have been done to me keep me from being everything you've called me to be. Shame is too expensive, and today I let it go in Jesus' mighty name. And I receive fully who you say I am. And I choose today to walk in it. In your precious name, I pray these things. And every person said Amen and amen.